Well, hello, Mark. Hello, stranger. <laughs> yeah, it's been a little while, right? Yeah, I think it's been four weeks since we recorded. Damn. I figured you were off watching the World Cup, but four, it hasn't been four weeks. <laughs> was preparing for it. Yeah, oh, yeah, there you go. See, that's that's a true fan right there. Yeah, mentally preparing, decorating my plays. Mm. I put it all the way now. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> After Canada lost to Croatia, I couldn't do it. Exactly. That was, that was our only hope. Uh, <laughs> no, honestly, I haven't been watching. I, I don't really watch. Uh, I, I, in general, I don't watch sports. Sure. So. Yeah, me either. It's just when the cup comes on. Just and it, it, like I would, I'm not really a huge soccer fan, but I get caught up in that hype in the World Cup oh, yeah. hype. Oh, it's so fun. I just love. I love going to the pub and when there's a goal, like everyone's screaming and hugging each other. Like it's the best. Yeah, like I, I used to live on the plateau in the in the Portuguese neighborhood. Oh yes. <laughs> and right across my house there was a sports bar. Mm-hmm. So I definitely knew when the World Cup was on. Yeah. And then when whenever Portugal got eliminated, everyone would switch over to Brazil. Yeah, immediately. <laughs> yeah. Pro protocol. <laughs> they already had their their jersey underneath their <laughs> Portugal jersey. <laughs> They just took it off and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> we just switched teams. Yeah. No, it's always fun to see when communities get together and have watch parties and like it's all the yeah. nationals from that country. So like Portugal, like little Portugal was always awesome. There was, I remember I used to go to Champions that like it was a, oh, it was yes. a dive bar, but it was multi-level and the top floor was just a projection screen to watch Portugal play. And then uh, I had a lot of Iranian friends who used to get there was a bar in the old port with a really cool viewing area. And they always have Umbranian game watch parties there. And it was madness. Like, <laughs> it, uh, the videos from it are wild. So what's new? What's going on? Yeah, I mean, it's, so much has happened, right? Mm. <laughs> it's been since we recorded. So before, yeah, last time we recorded, it still wasn't public. But I was working on preparing Power Importer to appear in Webflow's new marketplace. Yes. So like WordPress and spotify uh, shopify like all, all these platforms they have a marketplace right with third-party apps mm-hmm. so yeah so webflow released a marketplace and they picked a few of us third parties to be the first apps in it when they launched it so so yeah that was that was exciting to prepare prepare for it uh, it was a little stressful because i'm i'm no longer used to working with deadlines yeah. <laughs> i've been on, on my own for so long <laughs> You know, yeah. And of course, requirements changing. That was another another thing I'm not used to. Oh, like they were when I when I had a full time job, like you know, that's common, right? Like yeah. The, the uh product owner changes their mind about something last minute and so yeah, they did they did change the specs of what, what assets they wanted for the marketplace. I see. Yeah, it was it was no big deal, but yeah, it was it was there was an element of stress to it. Yeah. So yeah, so that was released during Webflow Conf. Uh, it was it was cool. Like I had a bit of FOMO of not being at the conference. Yeah, that was that was fun. But then af- after that, like like I was done. Like it burnt me out. Like it was, I, I think it was just the last straw. Like that I to to really push me over and like yeah, I've been just feeling burnt out. I've been trying to work on a new importer. Yeah, I just sit in front of the computer and I can't concentrate. Um, I set goals and the deadlines on these, on like where I want to be on what day, and I'm completely missing them. Like just making no progress. It's, it's like there's no motivation to do it. 
and and yeah, when I can't concentrate, I'm just thinking about all these other business ideas <laughs> that I would like to try and start. Uh, and and then that just stresses me out. Like I'm like, no, I I need to finish this last importer, then I'll give myself permission to like start the next project. But I was making zero progress. Like I was just torturing myself. <laughs> so so yeah, I that that's one of the reasons why we were recording. Like I, I said, I just need to unplug completely, like for a few weeks. So yeah, I did the minimum that I had to do, which was check my emails once a day to answer customer emails and uh but not even try to like code. Like just don't try to take the like a mental vacation basically. So yeah, it's I, f- I feel better. Like I've I've been I was reading books. Um, just also also I took a break from social media. I went on a low Twitter, uh, TikTok free diet. Because <laughs> I because I've been reading books about uh, like dopamine and how we might when when you're constantly producing dopamine, you eventually like run out. Like you, and so I thought that might be why I've, I was losing motivation. Because I was no longer, I was depleted. So that was one theory. So I decided to try it out. Uh, so yeah, I, I cut TikTok cold turkey. Uh, but Twitter, like, you know, often people DM me. So like, so it draws me back in, right? Like, okay, you DM me. So I'll, I'll respond. And, and then, yeah, you end up looking at your feed. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, that's it. I, because I was in the building public circles, like a lot of the people I followed, that's what they're still doing. And that did not help like seeing people like be productive and building every day didn't did not help the fact that i had zero motivation to do anything and so i've been trying to not look at the feed just respond to dms i made a list of the people that that i want updates from and i know they're not they're not building in public so so i have a, a small little feed that i can look at cool. <laughs> and not feel like i'm i'm a failure that's great. A build in public failure. Yeah, man. I don't know. The the build in public thing. I don't know. We, you and I had a had a conversation about it. I, maybe maybe this is like a month or two ago, but like at least for me, talking about things out loud make creates a sense of commitment in my mind for like how things need to be done or what should be done. And the reality is like we need to be we I say really I need to be running more experiments or experiments at all. And then as soon as you say something out loud, it's like you're committed to it. And then it creates this kind of undue pressure of like, but you haven't figured it out yet. So it's, yeah, like there's, yeah, building in public is, creates a lot more psychological strain than I think we, we we give ourselves credit. We give it credit. Exactly. I I feel they also, it's like cognitively taxing. Like the fact that I know I have to think of what I'm going to tweet next or what I'm working on now is just tweetable and how do I make it tweetable? Right. Then you share it. For some reason, no one sees it. And that's depressing. <laughs> or people see it and respond. Oh, that's, that's stimulating. But, but then you spend your time like conversing with them instead of actually doing what you said you were going to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to go back to build in public. Like I, I definitely want to continue to podcast. So that's, yeah. that's ha- as much build in public as I'm willing to commit to. Mm-hmm. But as for, Twitter or blogging or other communities, Mm -hmm. I think I'll see. Share just a little bit. Yeah, I think I kind of agree. Like, I don't know that I necessarily want to build in public. I mean, I like talking about what I'm doing, but I don't know. I guess I'm trying to think about how to wrap this up or how to how to put my views 
views of it in place, but I don't want to feel obligated to talk about what I'm doing. Like I, I agree right. that I, I, what Aaron Francis talked about when he was on, you know, like it's not cool to us because we're the ones that are doing it. So I do think like there are aspects to, of what we're doing that are cool. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that everything has to be packaged formally and sold and traded. And no, actually, sometimes it's fun to just do things. And talking about the things that you're doing, like in this format, is way more interesting to me rather than trying yeah. to create something clickable. I don't care about it yeah, being clickable. Exactly. I just care about it being interesting. Yeah, and I I do not like the whole hustle culture. I hate it. But building it public, it, it starts to feel like you're hustling. Like it feels, yes, it you know, because you have to be active every day. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, you're like on a treadmill. You have to keep going, keep going. Don't slow down. Even though I don't think of myself as a hustler, I feel like, yeah, I, I still get that feeling that I'm hustling. So I, I think I just need to just need to quit it. I think that's fair. Well, I, and I, I think the thing too to call out here is that like it, it, to me, like you're really successful. <laughs> like all the things that you've done and built and the value you've created, you have a product that's working. Like you didn't have to like, oh, what up power importer army? Like let's, let's hashtag blow this thing up or whatever, right? Like it, it you know, you, you've been able to build it authentically. And I think that, you know, the building in public thing is, is a fairly new thing. I, I don't know how successful it was. You, you probably have a better idea than I do of, of it, but all the same, like you are, you've been successful. I would say you've been successful despite all of that. So I wouldn't say it like, I wouldn't say it's necessary. I mean, maybe right. it just attracts a different type of person that maybe has resulted in something positive, but you don't need it. You, what you do is great and it's working. No, exactly. Like I, I'm really, I'm on Twitter to make friends. Like I want to, yeah. I want to make friends with other founders. Totally. So what do I have to, I guess I just need to be myself, <laughs> not, not try to perform like, and, and now I'm, you know, when I did grow my Twitter following, it was, it was because I was building in public. So that's who I attracted. That's who I followed back. Mm-hmm. But now like, I'm not enjoying my feed, like mm. all this building in public. It's like, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it feels overwhelming. It feels like, yeah, everyone's hustling around me and being a slacker. Yeah. That's a shit. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, I still have to make some some big decisions of like what I what well what I want to be working on and how do I want to do it. But I, I don't have the answers. Definitely not for this episode. <laughs> what a tease! <laughs> <laughs> but soon I will write a book about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And sell it on Twitter. <laughs> Hashtag buy my book. <laughs> Hashtag support Mark. Yeah. <laughs> it's too late for a Black Friday deal, right? Presale. <laughs> Actually, oh no, I guess it was last week. Yeah, the days are blurring together for me. I missed it. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, I th- I, f- I see the light at the end of the tunnel. I've been doing lots of soul searching and brainstorming. That's great. And I did actually sit down and do a few bug fixes last week. And, uh, I did finish all my corporate taxes. Uh, Jesus. So I mean, that was that was one of those deadlines that was looming, and I was just procrastinating and. That's enough to give me burnout. Jesus. <laughs> well, yeah, like uh, it's the end of the year, anyways. So I think I'll take it easy, and then January I'll be back. Excellent. Yeah. No, I mean, it, like you, you have the flexibility to do it. So hell yeah, do it. Yeah. No, exactly right. Like, like there's if you're just consuming what everyone else is talking about, like it, you're consuming everyone else's opinions. Right? Oh, you should you should be a comp company. You should be VC funded. You should like 
you get lost. You get, you just get lost and you don't know, like, what do I want to be doing? And maybe there is no label for what I want to be doing. Maybe I'm, maybe it's not a calm company. Maybe it's not a, it's not a startup studio. It's just something else. You just said something incredibly profound. I don't even know that you picked up on how profound it was. This idea that like, isn't it true that we try to find labels to put on things? I, I Maybe it's a sense of certainty or it helps us get a positive affirmation from other people because it helps them right. understand what you're doing. But the reality is you're the one who decides what you want. And it's like, oh, if I can't, if there's not a box that I can put this in, is it valid? Is it, <laughs> is it okay? But it's like, actually, right, exactly. it's whatever you want it to be. And that's enough. Right. Do I have to coin it and then yeah, yeah. use it? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But it, I mean, it's true. We, we, we look for that label. But maybe it turns out, actually, that you just do the thing you want to do at the time. And that's it. Exactly. Man, that's very yeah. interesting. More things to think about. So how about you, man? It's been too long. <laughs> yeah. What have you been up to? <laughs> working away. Working away. I um. Uh, let's see, what have I been doing? So been watching a lot of World Cup. Uh, that's been a lot of fun. <laughs> but other than that, since getting back, j- the jet lag was pretty brutal. Um, I've been uh, I'm finally feeling a lot better. I'm back at the gym. I'm doing the things that I really enjoy doing um, physically, which is great. Um, work has been good. Uh, the, the NFT game that I've been working on is getting closer to launch. Uh, it's looking good. We're just fixing up a couple bugs here and there. Um, I've been... Uh, I got an interesting offer actually from, so I, I've been thinking about more business ideas. I've been kind of looking around just, you know, getting intrigued by ads and other things that I've been seeing around. So I got an interesting offer from, uh, another freelancer that I worked with for a while on another project. Um, they, he, uh, he, he said he was applying to Y Combinator with this idea and he was looking for a co-founder. He thought of me. So he's also technical. And he, he basically came up with an idea for an, uh, an artifact server kind of aimed at the middle market. So like um, an artifact server, like have you ever heard of, um, what's it called? It, it's from uh, YFrog or JFrog. It's called uh, Artifactory. Um, no, yeah. So I don't, or, I don't know what an artifact yeah, server is. So yeah, like an artifact server would be like, I build a module and I, I compile it and I want to be able to share it with other people to take as a dependency. Um, but it's an internal dependency. I don't want to push it to an external hub like um, like Maven or what's the, I don't know what the Ruby dependency, like... Ruby Gems. Yeah, exactly. Like the like the, the, the hub where gems would be published. Okay. Like that kind of thing. So okay. operating private repos today is done through things like NPM or you could can, can have like a private repo and things like that. Um, but he was kind of thinking like, well, you know, uh, there's, he, there doesn't seem to be one for Python. He's a Python developer. And he's like, you know, we could start with Python, but we could really attack the whole middle market here because a lot of these artifact servers or um, repositories, private repositories, are all uh, enterprise product. Like Artifactory, you have to call them if you want to get a price. So we, he, so he hacked together a really cool little... Um, he hacked together a really cool little demo of, uh, of something. And it's like, it's actually, it's quite slick. It's very cool. And so we were chatting about it. And I was like, yeah, this is absolutely needed. Like, this is something that for sure should exist because tons of people want to have a multi-repo service or whatever. And that's just not possible without either copying and pasting a lot of code or being able to pull uh, artifacts down from a serve from a central place. So um, so he was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to apply to Y Combinator and, and I want to do this. 
And I was like, ooh, yeah, I don't really want to venture fund anything. But the, so the email I wrote to him basically was, you know, like, I'm very intrigued with this idea. I think it's great. You want to venture fund it. Why do you want to venture fund it? Um, help me understand that. Because he just had a kid in like July. And it was like, I mean, don't you want to spend time with your family? Or, well, I'm sure you do. But like, you know, what's your plan? Like, what's your plan here? Because um, like, he's, I think he had another business to go through Y Combinator before. So he would have a much better idea of like what the market looks like and how to manage that relationship between with investors and things like that. So it had me thinking like, how could you bootstrap something like this? Like say you didn't want to go for funding because um, it's a very interesting problem because it's so like it's B2B. Uh, it's a problem that developers are keenly aware of. Like, oh, I can't take this approach because if I do, I need to host my, my binary somewhere, things like that. Um, so yeah, it had me thinking quite a lot about how I would bootstrap or attempt to bootstrap a business like this. Because yeah, he was looking for a technical co-founder and I was like, I think you need help on the marketing side, probably. This is a, right. <laughs> this is a very, this is a very difficult thing to sell. I mean, it's a very useful tool, but difficult to sell. So yeah, I was doing a lot of thinking around like, how would I approach a market with a, with a product like that? Because yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, this is definitely something in the freelance contracts I've taken. This would be very useful. Very useful. Yeah, there's no reason why this can't be bootstrapped. Yeah. Like my, I, when I think of VC funding, like it's really, it boils down to, do you need to run at a deficit for a few years? Yeah. Like That's basically what it is. Mm-hmm. It's like, if yes, well then, yeah, you need other people's money, <laughs> yeah. right? Or a lot of your own money. Yeah. But if you don't need to to run at a deficit for many years, like if you could just build it yourself in one month mm. and then turn on billing and start making money and it pays for the hosting, the operating costs, yeah. well then, yeah, it's it's just, you can bootstrap that. Totally. Yeah, like I, I could see so many useful, like auth zero level content marketing games around how to market something like this. Of just like, oh yeah, how to like, because, oh man, it just fits in everywhere. Like all the different continuous integration tools, like going multi-repo. Like there's so many ways that something like right. this could be useful. Yeah. It's or like a, yeah. a GitHub marketplace app. Totally. Totally. Roku mm-hmm. marketplace. Yeah. There's a bunch of distribution centers actually that you could probably chime in and, uh, yeah, and support them. Yeah, Totally. So yeah, I was looking at that being like, oh man, I wonder why they, uh, I wonder, uh, like, I wonder what the drive is to, uh, to, to fund it that way and why not just bootstrap it? Because to, at least to me, the, the problem wasn't the building. Like that's, that's a figured out thing. In fact, I'm pretty sure you could find an open source project, repurpose it and wrap it the way that you want in order to handle this particular case. Um, it's like, how, how are you going to market something like that? That's the real, the real challenge. And like no VC funding is going to, well, I guess you could try to hire a marketer, I suppose, but yeah, like VC funding doesn't solve that problem. Right. So yeah, yeah. I think this is very bootstrapable. Totally. I, I totally agree. Um, yeah. It's just, how do you reach people? How do you get in front? Um, and it's interesting, like this kind of leads me to another point that I, I don't think I've mentioned on the, on the pod, but I have a friend who's building a company right now and he was doing you know, he, he built a small product and he looked on Google and was looking at search volume for the, for the keywords that he ranked for. And the keywords were ranking, he, the keywords were like, there was not a lot of volume, like really not a lot. 
Maybe it was in the 0 to 100 range, maybe in the 0 to 20 range, like really not. But uh, he's still showing ads because there's no competition for a lot of these small keywords. And he's killing it. Like I, he's, he's getting, his growth is looking really nice. And I, I, it, it really broke this idea in my mind of what, what search volume is actually required to do something. Like, I guess like, you know, if you follow the start, start small, stay small approach of like, okay, well, if this is the volume and your conversion is this, then like, this is what your, your business will be over time. And it's like, man, I, I guess I always looked and saw like zero to a hundred and thought like, oh, but my conversion will never be higher than x so like it'll never be higher than 10 percent. so that would be like you know even if 50 people googled this phrase last month what am i going to get two people am i going to get two signups or something five signups like no way that, that would never happen right but it really depends on the uh, on the exactness of the problem like if they're like you know i need this right now and you're like here is the thing that you need then they're like, oh, hell yeah, let's go. So your conversion rate is probably, could probably be very high. But yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm not an expert, in, but yeah, I, I would think that there's a higher, it, it's a lot more than just the conversion rate you get from organic traffic or direct traffic. Yeah. So yeah, I was just, it really kind of broke my brain just in terms of what you can really expect. Like zero to 100 doesn't mean zero necessarily. Like, right. I mean, if you can run ads against enough of these small, small terms, maybe it's fine. But like, I guess in my mind, I'm always expecting to be like, oh, look, a keyword that gets a, a, a million searches a month and no one's running ads against it. Absolutely. Like, you're, you've hit a gold mine. Like, no, you, you don't have to. You, you don't have to have an opportunity like that necessarily. Um, as long as the problem that you're, you've created or the, the, solution, the, the solution you've created is, is that worthwhile for people. I don't know if it was start small, stay small, or something else that I read back then, but they, I had read this this way of extrapolating how many, how much the real search volume was, right? Because you like you just looked at like a few keywords and you see zero to one hundred, yeah. but there's also a whole long tail of keywords right. that include those. Mm -hmm. Let's say those two keywords you had. Right. So if you add those up to the zero, zero to one hundred. Mm. Like, you know, they had, they had a way of like extrapolating it. It's like, yeah, it's, maybe it's another, maybe it's doubled out. Right. If you include all the long tail keywords. Yeah, most likely it has changed since, since <laughs> I read it <laughs> 10 years ago. But yeah, but let's say, you know, let's say it's 100 and you can convert 20% of it, mm. right? Like, or even 10, like 10 new customers a month. Yeah. Like, it adds up. <laughs> yeah. Right? It just, yeah. I mean, sure, there's churn. Yeah, it adds up, especially if that's all you're doing. Like it, you're just that you're just paying for ads, and it's converting into paying customers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, that's the thing. Like, if it's just you, it it doesn't have to be a huge business. If your churn is relatively low, and you just get and and the ads are doing its job, I mean, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, and it's like and yeah, if, perfect uh, micro. If it's low maintenance, yeah. then you just yeah, turn it on and just. Leave it on the back burner and move on to your next idea. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Simmer. Yeah. So yeah, I just, that really changed a lot how I see or how I think about ads. Yeah, I, I was, in my mind, I was expecting that I needed a lot more. And it turns out, actually, maybe you don't. Maybe ads are actually a totally viable channel, um, even for low volume. And all low volume means is you get it for a song. Yeah, because this, this is the friend you were telling me about offline. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. It's a very respectable 
start of a business right there. Yeah. And if it's just getting that from, from ads. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's impressive. Yeah. That, that does blow my mind too. Yeah, it's, it's kind of <laughs> crazy. So yeah, I, once he's ready to go public, I'd love to have him on the pod. But yeah, we'll, we'll see if he ever <laughs> if he ever gets that. Maybe after he sells it, he'll uh, right exactly. He'll want to come. The on. last thing he needs is someone to compete on those keywords. Exactly. I'm being as vague <laughs> as I possibly can. I'm telling you, we're, we're bringing building private back. Bill, <laughs> I'm just gonna tweet Bill. Bi- <laughs> That's what I'm gonna do at the end of every day. I'm just gonna be like, oh, we just worked a whole day building private. Exactly. Hashtag build in private. That's hilarious. I'm taking it back. Ooh, today was productive. Hashtag build in private. Um, so I have a hilarious uh, business um, pitch for you. Oh, nice. Shoot. Okay. So I've been getting served this Facebook ad uh, in time for the holidays. And I, I remember getting it last year too. And it's it's like art by Ariana or something like that. But basically it's a Facebook ad and they take a picture of your pet and this artist will make a custom Pokemon card for you. So like they'll take the they'll take your dog and she'll redraw it in a Pokemon style and put it on a card, on a temp card template card, and like design moves with names and descriptions and that sort of thing. And she'll I I, I believe she does a physical print and she sends the card to you. So I saw that and was like, oh that's adorable. And then I started to think about it. Wanna bet that this person doesn't exist? Want to bet that they're just taking that picture of your animal and feeding it into stable diffusion and creating an image that is the Pokemon and then using GPT-3 to generate all of the captions and stuff like that that goes onto it? The stats? (laughs) Maybe. So this person has posted a couple of things like, oh, doing doing some art or like, like, you know, preparing something for a customer. So I'm like, okay, you know, maybe it is a real person. But then I was like, I wonder if I could copy this and do it for like Magic the Gathering. Oh, so right. So I can go and get the whole corpus of Magic the Gathering art that's ever been generated. I can feed it into Stable Diffusion. And then using like Dream Booth or whatever, I can take your photo and be like, generate me a, like a red card or a white card for Mark. And then, like, I don't know, I can try to, like, use GPT-3 to generate, like, move names and things like that. Like, I was like, oh, man, that's pretty funny. Like, that, that's, that's a great idea. So I was, uh, I was thinking, like, oh, man, I need to, I wonder how hard that would be to test. I mean, I'm too late for the holidays, but, like, I don't have time anyway. But it's kind of an interesting concept overall of just, like, oh, it'd be kind of neat to do something like this. And I was thinking, like, oh, I mean, you know, it's fun to, like, have a card of you printed I mean, it's not, I don't know if it's that usable necessarily or what you're going to do with it. I mean, I, I, it's not up to me. It's up to whoever would buy something like this. But I saw this amazing, um, somebody posted on Hacker News the other day that they were trying to recreate the hollow effect on trading cards, like the specular highlights you see on holographic cards through CSS. <laughs> and they did a pretty good job, actually. Um, so I was like, oh, that's so cool. So part of me was thinking, like, maybe it should be a laptop sticker or something like that. Like your your magic card, holog- your holographic magic card of your dog is a, is a laptop sticker or maybe screensavers. I'm not sure. Things, things like that. I thought it might be kind of fun. Okay. But yeah, I mean, you could do a physical print. But yeah, I'm just trying to think of other ways that this could be fun digitally to use and how to market it. Right. Yeah. And you don't. Like the first version doesn't have to be powered by GPT-3. No, you could hire somebody on Fiverr 
to 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 build the to make the image and i could just like i'm so good now at generating podcast titles that uh, (laughs) (laughs) i can repurpose it to uh to um descriptions move descriptions things like that yeah yeah even if you did it all yourself like Mm. for the first orders just just to see if there's a market for it Mm -hmm. Especially if you're using ads, then you can really control how many how many come through the funnel. Exactly, because yeah, I was looking at it, and this person, um, this the person who's doing the the Pokemon cards, is charging like I think it's 140 US for a set of um, for a for a set of uh, like six printed cards or something like that. Like it, it really isn't. It, it was a lot of money, or it felt like a lot of money, but not necessarily a uh what was i gonna say like it, it felt like a lot of money for what it was but i mean jesus like you could acquire a customer pay someone on fiverr and, and come out way ahead if you're charging a hundred bucks or something like that like god damn that's that's pretty expensive yeah and this lady had like 900 reviews or something like that. she's cleaning sure. up La- lady yeah exactly <laughs> But yeah, it was pretty interesting. Uh, so it got me thinking like, oh, because I, I mean, I, I don't know how interested I am in building like an AI business. Like you know, AI is a feature, not necessarily like a product. So it's easy. Right. And like, we're all using the same, <laughs> we're all using the same models. We're all using the same offering. So there's no moat. It's really just like a cute little thing that you build. But you know, I mean, if you can make a couple of magic cards and then clean up, it could be interesting. Yeah, I've actually, I've been brainstorming ways to, to build my own models okay like because yeah because i agree like we're all if we're just all using the same model and the same api it's so easy to to someone to copy your idea like yeah okay they they also have to do the same guesswork that you had to do to find the right prompts and the right settings and parameters but you know it's pretty easy to replicate but if you can figure out how to create mass amount of data that you can train the model then you have an unfair advantage. Yeah, I'm still still thinking about this one idea. Like, I, <laughs> mostly just out of curiosity. Like, I want to see if it's feasible. But uh, it it's so exciting all this AI stuff. Like, I yeah, it feels like the a new frontier. Like totally new playground. That's all I have. I mean, aside from that, go France, go. You're taking the cup, <laughs> my man. Oh, so, so so that's the team you switch to. <laughs> Well, I mean, you have no choice but to support your home country. You have to. But I mean, Canada's not making it out of the group. Um, I love you guys. You, you played your hearts out, but practice more. Come back. Yeah. In four years. Go back to hockey. Go back to Hey, I think we did pretty well. For it snowing like eight months of the year, I think our team is actually pretty good. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much it for me. How about you? Yep. That's it. Sweet. Uh, all right. In that case, I guess I'll catch you next week. Yep. All right. Sounds good. See ya. See you later.